When you, you turned like your camera, when you turned your camera on, I could see right down your boobies. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Boobies. <laughs> 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 Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. I say sunny even though it's rainy and cold here. I went down to the beach and there's still people down there in shorts and tank tops playing volleyball. It's amazing. Just <laughs> amazing. Hey everyone, uh, this is Liza and we got another special show for you tonight. We're just keeping it rolling. We've had such a great show, you know, a set of shows in December. Um... And, you know, usually we, we've been bringing in a special guest, but I figured tonight's special guest would be Miss Emma. And not just Miss Emma, but listeners to talk to Miss Emma. So let's find out who is here uh, in the garage tonight. And then we're going to let, I'm going to open up the floodgates and I'm going to let him in. Uh, looking dapper with his, uh, his, his mullet. We call it a mullet. It's Bagel. <laughs> it's just a not a haircut. <laughs> Happy COVID mullet. Front bagel. <laughs> 2021 is here. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> that is that defines bagels. Party in the rear. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of party in the rear, coming to us from his man shed, it's naked Jim. What does that party in the rear mean? <laughs> Depends on you. Yeah, I thought you know. said you could keep a secret. <laughs> anyway, happy new year. Here's to a better hey. fucking something, please. Same to you. And I don't even know what kind of a, a shack or shed or house it is because we can't, all we can see are window blinds, but it's Rick. Hey, how are you all doing? I'm excited about a new year. Let's try to make this a little better, huh? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> And I figure yeah. the best way to do it is starting off with a bang, and 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 let's celebrate our fellow misfit, Miss Emma. <laughs> hello, darlings. Hello. Starting off with a hello. Starting off with a big bang. So, um, and who doesn't love a bang? Or bangers? <laughs> yes. It's a oh pair of bangs. God. Two bangs. So I'm going to open up the gates. I'm going to let everyone in. We'll see who is joining Ooh, us tonight. How about that? Oh, open how the exciting. Door All right. Let them in. Woo-hoo. All right, here they come. So, Emma, I figured tonight we'd take some questions from the field. Some... Oh, Q&A. Yes, okay, ask Miss Emma. And, and I've got... There's Miss Emma. I brought back one of our favorite games, um... You know, you could call it Cooler Fool, according to Miss Emma. Oh, Stump the Chump. Yes, Stump I figured that'd chump. be fun to play with some Oh, hang on. Hang on. Well, you, you just carry on letting people in. I'm going to get my marker pen because I've got to do my Cooler Fool little signs. Don't oh, I? <laughs> yeah, you can't do Cooler Fool. Let's see who's you, with us. Hey, it's our old friend Chris. Hey, Chris Comley. How you doing? I'm doing well yourself. Oh, hello, Chris. Hello, darling. As, as, hello, as well as we can be. Real men ride Harley Davidsons. I'm not going to dispute that. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, be- I I- before we started recording, we were just talking about how uh, a saying that during the holidays is a hard time for people. And then you add in COVID and all the politics and everything, which is especially a hard time. Um, but for me, the hardest time is right now because this is when the taqueria next door closes for two weeks for vacation. Oh, and God. so this is my dark time. Oh. 
Just, just share. I can relate. I can relate. I'm, I am going sober for two weeks every year from the first to the 14th. So dark times that lie ahead for me as well, Liza. It is hard. No chimichangas for you, Liza. <laughs> All right. Let's see who else. Um, ooh, that's a nice light fixture behind you. Dan Cooper, how you doing? All right. Thank you. And where are you oh, coming God, to us from? I say that's uh, that's that's almost a chandelier, it, Mr. Cooper. That looks like a proper Victorian. <laughs> oh, it's posh. Yes. I, I don't know what you call it. Well, coming, uh, I'm great. How how is everyone? We are hanging in. I'm there. doing very well. Um, you look like you're coming to us from a Pullman railway carriage. <laughs> <laughs> coming to us from the Orient Express. <laughs> it's 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 my slightly darkened dining room. Well, it's ve- it's very nice. Welcome, darling. And and Dan, what part of the country are you in? Um, I'm in Salem, Massachusetts. Ooh, I guess this is it too soon to joke about witches. Is it too soon? No, no. Never too soon. It's a, it's the town's bread and butter. It is exactly. The tours there are amazing. It's amazing how you can build a whole industry off of burning people at the so, stake. I have a question out of the box, which I think Mr. Cooper, Mr. DB Cooper, um, would be able perhaps to answer. So if I were transported back to, um, well, I guess it all happened in the 17th century, didn't it? The 16th century. Um, how long do you think I'd be last before I got burnt at this? <laughs> I think probably about 10 minutes. <laughs> She's no. a witch! Emma, no, you would sink like a stone. Yes, actually, I would. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, and hey, coming to us from his garage, I see the handlebars behind him. It's Mike. How you doing, Mike? Good. Doing great. Even better now. Last day of vacation and I get to be here. <laughs> I, I know Hello, what you mean. Mike. Thank you hey, for joining us. Hello, darling. I, I recognize a Harley Davidson mirror on that handlebar. <laughs> yep. Nice. What kind what? of what kind of Harley you got? Uh let's see, that one is the Dyna. And Ooh. then over there I got the Sportster. Nice. Bumblebee and Jolene. Nice. I actually like the Sportsters. I, let me rephrase it. I, I like sportsters to ride. I hate when a sportster shows up to the group ride. What? Well, they have peanut okay. tanks because you can only go 60 miles for a gas oh, stop. And it's just always a pain in the ass. I like riding them. I don't like riding in a group ride I with them. That trip with I the changed the tank color. on it. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. You're yeah. doing everyone The 1200C service. tank, right? Yeah. I caught that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. This is, in case you don't know, Ricky there. Hello, Rick, darling. Hello, dear. Um, hello, dear. This is a Harley Davidson expert. No, no, hardly Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, let's keep going. Let's see who do we got next. Uh, ooh, looking all dapper in his uh, looks like an iron shirt. Hey, Ken, how you doing? You got to unmute there. There you go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, doing great. I'm in. Uh... I'm from Indiana, but I'm stuck in Southern Michigan right now. Um, I'm not even in my garage and don't even have a bike here. So, ah, that's oh, well, you couldn't be this. riding right now. Terrible. You can't ride right now. Yeah, can you? But I, um, no, I've seen a couple of bikes out in the last few days. The roads are dry, but a little, it, it's been pretty sloppy, I guess the last few days. So, you know, what? everything's well, probably put up for, for a few months, at least. One of my favorite pastimes in, in places like, like Michigan or Indiana in the winter when you can't ride 
is to go to some of those mega motorcycle stores and just go sit oh, on yeah. everything. Yep, absolutely. We I don't have those here. A couple days ago. Rick, you know what I'm talking about, don't oh. you? Oh, shopping. I oh, mean, looking. But, I mean, but when you go to yes. these other states, I have these giant, like really? in South Dakota. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. I just sit on everything. dealerships that are just packed. Even yeah, the yeah. snowmobiles, oh, yeah. everything. I just sit on the them. Side by sides, Razor, all the doodads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, There's one near not... me that's on two levels. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But have you noticed how well turned out he is? Iron He's... shirt. Completely clean shape. I think I think groom just for you, Mister. <coughs> He's extremely well. Groomed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad somebody brought the handsome because I forgot mine. <laughs> Let's keep going oh, down con- the line. You're consistently handsome, Ricky, darling. There's oh, we got we got two Ians. Well, let's go to Ian Lindsay. Hey, Ian, how are you? Hey, what's up, everybody? Coming to you from Hello, uh, Ian. Orange Beach, Florida. How y'all doing? Florida. You getting any riding done this time of year? I am. Actually, I uh, had some time off work for the first time forever. Put about 1,500 miles on the past four days. So I'm so jealous. Um, I didn't recognize the name, Ian. Are you North Florida or South? I am just north of Daytona. Oh, okay. 10 miles. Yep. So the the (laughs) north-south. Yeah. Central, as they say here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I'll tell you a little secret about Florida. It's like my first love of America. And I, you know, it was a toss up whether I ended up in California or Florida. And, you know, I kind of still would have liked the idea of ending up in Florida. It's a pretty neat place. I like was it. Was it a first love, like sloppy and messy and, and really? Yeah, well, exactly. That, that's kind of I mean, like I was, <laughs> I was and wet and, yeah. <laughs> When, we didn't really tell too many people about it. You made the right I choice, was, Miss Emma. There's no hills here, so. Well, yeah. I know, but you know, it's it's kind of okay. But when I was fresh off the boat, or in my case, a 747, <laughs> I landed in Miami, and then I went across America. It took six months to do it, but I always remember. You know, I spent about three weeks in Florida, and I loved every moment of it. Well, Ian, I'm glad you're getting some writing done. Um, Miss Emmy, you don't know this. So I haven't been doing any writing lately for all sorts of reasons, mostly COVID and being safe. But Jim and I have been planning for like a week or two. Like we need to just go for a ride. We'll ride easy. Take it easy. Go down the coast, Highway 1. Just we need to get on our bikes and go ride. We've been planning it and we were going to go on Saturday. And on Saturday morning, within short distance of one another came rain an earthquake and a chromageddon that sounded like a freight train. And we were like, yeah, maybe now's the time to believe in signs. <laughs> uh, what? Right? Uh, 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 what? Just give me a chromageddon. sign. A chronami. <laughs> yes. We, we have a chronado. A chronado. <laughs> we have ginormous flocks of crows. Uh, oh, right now. It's pretty crazy when you have murders. Yeah. When you have a downpour, an earthquake and then the Kronami all happen in close proximity, Ooh. you're like, okay. uh, we have them in Florida right now, too, for some reason. I don't know but why, but they're so all over weird. the place. Hmm. So weird. Wow. Well, let's find out. It looks like uh, Bryce is in a sunny place. Bryce, how are you doing? Hey, good evening. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you yeah. hear me? fine. Hey, this is a great Hello, Bryce. Hey, good evening. Great Hello, darling. Everybody. 
Some of you guys don't look like what your voice sounds like. <laughs> uh, well, who would that be talking about? <laughs> that was really a bagel jumped out of me. Ah, bagel. But, uh, you didn't know he was such a manly man, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone is as equally, and especially his uh, his scooters are very handsome as expected, and and everybody else is equally as handsome as as bagel. Good save, yeah. Bryce. Good save. <laughs> I'll, take I'll take that as a victory every day. <laughs> so, Bryce, but, uh, where are you at coming out to us from? Out of uh, Mississippi. So Ooh. it's year-round riding weather. Um, I actually the my background there. Um, that's actually my uh, my Chinese two hundred and fifty Hawk from uh, Amazon. Oh, nice! Oh, wow. Right. So I took that out today. Uh, did some dirt trails, and uh, it was great. You know, a little muddy, but but it's really great. It weighs not much at all. And then I did the same roads on my Yuli, my Uli, my Ulysses, which uh, Miss Emma gave me some great advice about helping with the oil pressure. And uh, so I did the exact same roads on that bike. And it's uh, it's funny, it's completely different character, different personality, different weights. Mm -hmm. So the puddles were, you know, much, much more wet and splashy on the Ulysses because it sinks deeper. But uh, but great time, you know, both bikes. Uh, and thank God, yeah, we have a uh, year round weather, riding weather here. So yeah. trying to take advantage of it. And it's, nice. it's just you and me, darling. It's just you and me. Did I give you good advice with Ulysses or did I send you on the wrong path? No, great advice. Um, <laughs> okay, good, so good. It's the, the oil pressure, you know, and uh, so thankfully, um, like you like you mentioned, uh, the oil pressure doesn't have to be super high on those bikes. No. So so I'm actually looking at um, just confirming why I might get that red flickering red, you know, not a constant red. Right. Just an idle, wasn't it? Right, right. When the low RPM. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure, and I think Ricky will, uh, will confirm this. The oil pressure reading for a Harley, you you measure it like 3,000 RPM. I was going to say, at idle, I wouldn't be as concerned. I mean, it's yeah. a, a little Nobody's... blip. You. Just don't idle. Keep riding. Yes. There <laughs> you go. Stop. That's the best advice of all. Good O. Red lights and stop signs are only suggestions. Absolutely. Exactly. No cops, no stops. <laughs> oh, my word. So uh, let's get to the next. Ooh, Thank nice you. green headphones. It's our next Ian. Ian M., how you doing? I'm doing well yourself. Good, good. And looks like you've been uh, sent to the garage as well, have you? Oh, this is actually the basement. The basement. <laughs> Hello, Ian, darling. It looks like it looks like you have a giant camera behind you, or a safe, or something. What what is that behind you? That circular. It's thing? the same thing that uh, Mikey three times has right to his left, also. Time machine. Yeah, yeah, Mikey, pan over so you can see. It's the washing machine, right? Oh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. See, there's well, the washing machine I... over in the corner. How am I meant to know that? I don't do domestic things. You know that. That's a nice set you got there, Ian. Thank yeah. you. And Ian, Ian, what do you ride? I use the washing machine as well. That looks quite industrial, actually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's some serious equipment. Yeah, exactly. So that's what washing machines look like. I just pay everyone to do my laundry. Wait, where's the string? Yeah. All right, you two, cut it out. Ian, what, 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 Ian, what is in your garage then? Uh, currently, I have a eighty-four VF five hundred F. Oh, bike. Okay. A seventy-nine XL two hundred and fifty S. That's Ooh. in pieces. 
All right. Do you just like vintage bikes or do you like cheap bikes? Which one is it? Are you a deal hunter? Sorry, what was the second type of bike? Are you a deal hunter? Do you like vintage bikes or do you like uh, cheap bikes? A bit of both. Um, <laughs> I grew up uh, working on cars for the 1920s even. So wow. wow. Older the better to me. Cool. cool. And then... Uh, well, those are great bikes. Rest of us and an XL250. You love it. Now I know why you joined the Ask Miss Emma tier. <laughs> <laughs> here come the bold time. Yeah, you're going to get your money's worth out of that one. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, and there's another name I recognize. It's Bob Og. How you doing, Bob? Yeah, I figured the mute out. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing okay. Hello, Bob. Hey. I'd like hey. to see all the misfits. This is very awesome. So, and Bob, I'm just going to take a. Gym and... I'm going to take a while. Guess you are dressed like you're in the Pacific Northwest. Nope, <laughs> just north of Chicago. Oh, just the north. <laughs> My kind right. of town, Chicago yeah. is. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I'm right on the border of Wisconsin, but uh, it's easy. Oh yeah, no, the accent came out then when you said Wisconsin. There you go. Perfect. Don't worry. Spring well, is just around the corner. Spring's <laughs> yeah. just around the corner. Yeah, I hear it's going to be on a Wednesday this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Snowbird humor. Nice one. And then also joining us, it's Mikey Three Times. How you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm only, I, I, I just came on because I want to make sure Paul's not here. That's the only reason. <laughs> Your no, Paul's Paul. not here. Oh my good. god! Oh my god! Hey, bit. would you like would you like to know what I did today, Mikey? Yes. Boo. Your bike. You did it. Was well, it no, I haven't done it yet. I've, I'm just reminded myself what an idiot I am for taking on a fabrication job as a paying job. <laughs> yeah. Natural <laughs> solution. Well, no, he, he, you see, here's a perfect example. If you take your bike into a bike shop and you say, "I want," You know, my rear tire changed. A bike shop will charge you an hour to change a rear rear tire, you know, and that's based like half an hour, 45 minutes, take the wheel out, change the tire, put it back on. Do you know how many times I pull the wheel in and out of your bike today? <laughs> yeah, 20 it's times. Rigid, it's a rigid. Cool. Well, yeah, good, but nevertheless. Chopper things? Good thing oh, it's got a yeah. center stand. Don't, don't let. Anyone know that I'm doing chopper things because I don't want to be known for doing chopper things. Because I've got this but, chopper and uh, I'm thinking. Oh, I know <laughs> you do. <laughs> I know your chopper already lived in my garage for a little while. One of them, gracious. These these all yeah, gone the now. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, see, that's the problem. Is I'd just take the fucking thing. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't leave the tire on and just start banging the fucking fender with a hammer. You know what I mean? That's I an option. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'll just pull the whole thing. I mean, you know what I mean? Remember when we did the VTX? The yes. whole thing was together, and I just whipped out the sawzall and started cutting. Well, no. Off. So what I what I've basically done is I've set up all the mounts on the fender now. I've welded up all the holes that I don't want in the fender, um, and. I'm taking a fender for sandblasting tomorrow, and I'll probably run it up to the paint shop, and then I can do the fabrication on the sissy bar. And Emma's your auntie. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Emma's your auntie. Aunt, auntie Emma. So 
So there you go. Well, I wanted to thank all of you for joining us tonight. Yeah, this is but, great. But especially, I also wanted to be able to thank all of you in person for being supporters on Patreon. And this was a way that I thought, you know, it'd be great to to talk to the people from the Asmus Emma and give them an opportunity to get immediate feedback and, and ask Emma some questions. Um, before we do that, I want to thank a couple more people. I figure this is a good time to, to send out thanks. Um, big thanks to Larry for the shop donation of all the tools. Um, Jim, you got to see the haul wow. that came in. It, yeah, big shout out. Yeah, just the boxes alone were a great uh, score. His, his dad, who passed away a while ago, um, liked, was a machinist and also worked on hot rods. And he donated oh, wow. all of his toolboxes full of tools, like rolling oh, tools. Or eights. Uh, well, it's more... American stuff like that, but there's a lot of specialty tools and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Am I let Jim come and grab a couple things that there's that I knew you had already? Ooh, those are no, nice. and that, that's fine. I mean, you know, I'm the I'm the first to admit, and I'm sure Larry won't mind. Is I'm going to end up with a lion's share of it um, for the for my shop. Um, but what a wonderful gift! And you know, it 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 just reminds me of what a neat community the motorcycling community mm-hmm. is i i love these people yeah you guys are the best well i didn't get about tools uh uh liza you yeah. should see emma's got a whole bunch of handmade tools oh you know? i know i want to do a whole uh video on that yeah she's yeah. like this did, like it's really weird we were using a wrench and it's got like a bit of an angle on it like a uh, open wrench like this and uh she grinded down. Oh, it's wafer thin. Yeah, it's like oh, super yeah. thin. So you could just like get in this. It, it was like the perfect thing because it was just in this really weird place. And it's all perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's... I mean, I'm like, oh, like, did you know that we were going <laughs> to in a wicked place like this? You've seen that movie before. Wow. Yeah, there's a bunch of yeah. those handmade tools in these this tool collection. But even better yet, uh, Mike, you'll be surprised uh, because I am passing it on to Emma for her new shop, but he also donated a professional tire changing machine. Oh, Sweet. don't tell knock. Awesome. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> the big knock. pneumatic one. Oh, really? Well, Mike, you <laughs> yeah. Mike? Nice one. Take yeah. a finger came out of a shop. Way better. Yeah, than two spoons. Cool. But my <laughs> promise is when the shop is up and running and I'm actually, you know, ticking over and doing quite well, I will buy a more upmarket tire machine and then I'll service that one and donate it back to the misfits. So it's only temporary just till I find my feet because, you know, I'm buying everything. I'm not moving into an existing shop. I'm moving into an empty space. So I've got to fill it with everything. Yeah, I, I need. tell you, that- I think it's a good idea. I, when I opened up my business, I started with a little money and I had a whole bunch of, I basically got used stuff and then I took mm-hmm. the work that I had to, to, to and I, every time, you know, jobs would come in and I'd have a need for something, I would purchase something a little bit better and then the job would pay for itself. So kind of just, you know, right. Exactly. Like that. And that's, you know, and it, that's how it's going to work with me. But yeah. Um, so the time machine, it, it really makes a huge difference. Yeah. For those of you who don't have, know, I'm, I, a, I'm a pimp. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, so big thanks to Larry. And then lastly, I wanted to thank Eric Buell, Mert Lal, Josh, uh, and Melissa, 
Norman Reedus, all of our guests for the month of December who came through. Big thanks to all of them. I hope everyone really enjoyed that. That was it was a lot of work, a lot of fun, and a lot of stress for me making that happen. I'm glad we we got through that. Um, what a great month that was. So there's all my thanks. So um, let's get to, does anybody have a question for Emma or the Misfits about their bike or project? Anyone raise your hand, jump in. Rick, uh, Rick you got a question? I got a question for right. Miss Emma. Okay. Yes, darling. I remember in your garage 4,000 eons ago. Yes. You had a brass hammer. Yes, I've still got it. That tiniest of little hammers. So It's like Thor's hammer. <laughs> are, so are you, now are you like me? You got a drawer full of hammers where it's, yeah. you know, here's the ball peen and the, this one and that one and the other thing and the doodad. Or do you make the square peg round hole work all the time? Generally, I find that I've got little hammers. I've got big bloody mallets. Um yeah. And rubber hammers and stuff like that. But it's funny you should mention that brass hammer. It's like the dual. It's the one I keep coming back to. Because whether I'm knocking out a wheel axle or center yeah. punching something before I drill it, or I just reach for the brass hammer. And I think at this stage, it's just it's more familiarity with it than anything else. There you go. Yeah, it's just your buddy. You know, it's, it's something I know how it feels. And the handle is actually worn to my hand now. <laughs> Perfect. I've had that thing for probably 25, 30 years. Well, and I got a question. I just... yes. yes. My question is this. I've been to your garage also. And yes. it's really weird to me that you don't have certain things that I would think would be uh, imperative in a garage. Right. Especially with the amount of stuff that comes out of your garage. For instance, a fucking sawzall. You had me hacksaw that thing. I was at it for like 20 fucking minutes. And I'm like, what is, you know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? Mike, serious, I, I have the answer. Turn. I have the answer for that. That's because oh, a real mechanic oh. uses a hammer. See, yeah. you see that? <laughs> see, what's that? Made in England. <laughs> That's my sawzall. That's With why it takes so fucking long. Because you're sitting there hacksawing shit. I, I never see anything in my, I mean, come on, seriously? Well, no, I mean, to be fair, um, a saw that wasn't saw, fair I at all. I don't do that much fabrication. Remember? I don't do yeah, that much fabrication. but the as important as a hammer. You know what I mean? No. Oh, no. Yeah. Big time. For you? I'll cut right through a fucking wire loom. I don't give a shit. Saws all done all day. <laughs> well, there you are, you see. And that's, that sums it up. But um, if I want to cut something quickly, I mean, I've got my cutoff wheel. But the tr trouble is... And this is something that, um, you know, everyone needs to be mindful of. I live in suburbia. I live in a very, very quiet cul-de-sac. When I'm firing up the sawzall, when I'm firing up the compressor or the cutoff wheel, I'm making a hell of a noise. So I have to be mindful that I'm in a residential neighborhood and I don't want to piss the neighbors off. It's as simple as that. You know, I like a harmonious existence. And when if I'm in I my bought shop, you one, would you use it? A sawzall? I, yeah, you I know, swear to God, listen, listen. If I the question is if, if Mike if Mike bought one when he came over to your place, could he use it? Emma, say yes, and I'll trade you a tire changer for a new sawzall. 
<laughs> I, you know, I've got to be honest with you. When when I end up with tools, I do tend to use them, um, but I tend to make do without. You know, I think I told you my brother was a professional drummer for many many years, and um, he was a studio guy. You know, he'd go into the studio and he'd, he'd play. Um, for up and coming bands, you know, they hadn't learned to play their instruments yet. So they get the session musicians come in, cut the first album, and then hope that in the time between the album being released and becoming successful and they go on tour, the little bastards can learn to play their instruments. Do you make his own sticks? Um, well, whenever he went into the studio, everyone would say, where the hell's the rest of your kit? Because he played with such a small kit. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of like my brother. I remember, you know, at, at all the bike shops I've worked at, people are amazed at how little I work with. My toolbox is very, very small. But I've just kind of learned to, you know, and it's not a poverty thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of almost a nomadic thing. You know, I've never had somewhere that I can say, this is my permanent home, so I'm going to spread out. Um, you didn't answer always, the question. If I got you yeah. a sawzall, would you use it? Yeah, probably. All right. Well, then Merry probably. Christmas. I could do because... surgery on my cat. <clears throat> I'm you tired see, of I that can... fucking hacksaw. And that hacksaw, the blade on the hacksaw is like 20 years old. I never yeah, seen anything so? like that. Yeah, so? It's a classic. It's oh, oh, no. steel. Finest. It's got patina. Dude, German. No, honestly, he was, he was grumbling. He was moaning like, like little girl. Give me this fucking thing. I, I will tell you something you now. It's, it's the I want it now generation. Here's a butter knife. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And let me tell you something now, Mr. Miranda. If you <laughs> think you're going to butter me up into giving you a discounted rate <laughs> by buying me a sawzall, you can forget <laughs> it, mate. I'm, I'm right. I was writing your invoice before I came on here, and there's a lot of zeros on that invoice. <laughs> I will go on the record to say Emma is unbutterable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there is, there is, there is a lot of heavy figures on your invoice, Mister. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. What? Here's here's my final deal. Then two saws. Saw okay. I'm just going to get you some new blades for your hacksaw. That's a good deal. That is a good deal. <laughs> a gentle compromise. Yes. There's your butter. There's your butter oh, right oh, there. Oh, thank you, Mike. Oh, you're the best. And and hey, Mike, I'll throw into that pot. If you want to stop by and go through the tool drawer, there's a whole bunch of files in there. Oh, come now. <laughs> oh, don't even what? You know, there is what? always, there will always be a place for hand filing. Yes, so I know. Picked up the fuck, she picked up a file and, tried, and handed it down. And I was like, stop it right yes, there. Yes, exactly. It's we, the same thing. We cut this fucking thing off. There was a huge chunk of it. And I'm sitting there just like, um, this bit, the file was like this. It was like a police baton. Yeah, so yes. files are hungry, dude. Look, yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Everyone just nod if you agree. Like file is the way to do it, right? Rick knows. It's See, exactly. All the time. It's yeah. a, it's about being an artist, blade. artisan. It's <laughs> using the touch of your hand and feeling what you're doing. I am a little concerned what you're doing. because I don't know whether you've noticed for the past like 10 minutes, not one of our guests has been able to say anything. It's been entirely us misfits <laughs> arguing amongst each other. And so they probably Impossible. think it's funny, but I'm sure they have questions they want to ask. Yeah. Anyone else have a question about their Hey, project? this is Ian. I, I got one for you, Eliza. Okay, go for it. And for 
maybe it's more for a bagel. And uh, I know Mike, you get a new garage and Miss Emma setting up a new shop. I'm waiting on my brand new house with a brand new two car garage right now. Nice. And another month to go. So this is my opportunity to set up my garage the way that I'll say over dreamed of it. So besides tools, I'm talking like ergonomically, like anybody have any ideas on like a good functionality, I guess. Is, Start is with the floor. Serious. Okay. Before you move mm-hmm. a single thing in there, get your floor done. Get a sawzall. <laughs> yeah. Get a sawzall. <laughs> no, really. Um, having got one of them, Harbor Freight. Having a good floor, um, like what Mike did with his, having a floor yeah. that's easy to clean and maintain is really good. A lot of people start moving stuff in and then it's too late. So just something to consider. Even if it's putting down some of the snap tiles or putting down yeah i was thinking about like getting the, the the snap tiles um i, I could tell you exactly because i don't know if you saw the video of what she did in here but i had the chance to like kind of rearrange the garage the way i wanted when we came in and it was a big place and one of the most important things that i wanted to keep was um i wanted to make gar- garage usable and i have some storage up high but um really it was about just kind of keeping everything kind of close to the walls so that the main like open area floor space is open so I can move bikes around really easily. Cause that's the thing is you get a bunch of bikes and you're moving shit around to get them in and out. It's a little crazy. Um, the second thing that was pretty important to me was like kind of visualizing um, the space beforehand and like, not like full on full, full retard, but like we, I put in like the drop down uh, electric. So anywhere I'm working, I can pull power. I don't have to run extension cords. Uh, and then I also added like extra light like in each beam, each set of beams. So anywhere I'm working, I've got white light, not that yellow light. So, I mean, like I didn't have a full vision of what it, what it was, but I kind of had an idea that these would make it a little bit more productive when I am working on stuff. And then I bring my bike to uh, Emma. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But um, I'm glad you brought up the Good subject advice. of light. Um, Ian, mm-hmm. the one thing uh, above all else, if you're if you're going to be working on bikes, get yourself some light in there. The more light and the bright white light. If you plan on working on your bike, you cannot beat a nice, clean workbench that is low enough that you can lift an engine on, you can stand at, or you can sit at, and just put lots of light above it so you can like pull an engine pull a brake caliper pull a set of forks get them on the bench and work on them in decent light if you're working in a black hole it's it's no good Uh, i'm coming from a single car garage with shitty light and i'm i'm that guy i will spill anything i will trip over anything so this is my opportunity to kind of uh right start fresh and and try to do it right the first time so um yeah, Mike, I appreciate the thing with the, the moving electrical. That That's a really good idea on there. I appreciate that one. Uh, I had a suite set up in a rent house recently in Tennessee. So, you know, the joys of not owning a house. But um, I accidentally inherited a wraparound work counter that went around. So it was kind of like three sides of a two-car garage. So, like, when you're looking in, you're left, right, and the whole back of that mofo was all counter. And it was like... Perfect. Kind of the perfect workbench, but a butt hair higher, which I got used to. I ended up having a little step stool. If I had to bring something heavy up, I made it work. But it was rad because then I could have a spot for a vice. 
I could have a spot to screw around with forks and get oily and greasy shit and brake fluid. I could have a spot for nice painted stuff. I could have a rack when I take shit apart. You know what I mean? I dug that coming out of a shop environment working on cars. Because for me, I looked at how those shops were laid out. All your big heavy shits on the walls to the sides. And in the middle, you're generally pretty mobile. And I like those little rolly carts. The little crappy ones Mm -hmm. from Harbor Freight work fine. It has four wheels and it holds shit. Um, I think those are pretty rad because then you can kind of whatever job you're doing, you could load it up for brakes. Go do your brakes. You got all your brake shit. You're done with your brakes. You go put it away. You know, like for me, I kind of dug that. But I mean, everyone nailed it. Mike too, man. Don't forget the floors and don't forget the light too. That stuff's so important to me. Mine. Yeah, I like the redundant light too, like right on top of that countertop. You so know, you're dicking um, the little carburetor. Yeah, and I'm another... not habitually tidy. I'm not habitually a tidy person, but I'm at my work is at its best, and I'm at my happiest when my workshop's tidy. So just make it as easy as you can to keep tidy, yeah. and bet... your, your standard of work will go way up. Bagel, go ahead. What you got? Yeah, I also wanted to mention that another thing to plan for is uh, for storage. Um, like there are these uh, racks that you can get yeah, put along your behind walls. Jim, behind Jim, behind Bagel. Parts and storage. Uh, there are also like shelving that you can get with, with like uh, <clears throat> containers that you can use for parts. So, you know, there's lots of lots of things that you can do to, to have room to keep stuff off the floor because – one of the challenges that I always had working in small spaces is where do you keep all the stuff? And and I was constantly tripping over things because there just wasn't wasn't enough room. And putting it up on shelves really helped with that. Yeah. So uh, something else I want to add um, that I know that um, Mike has used, a lot of us has have used, put things on wheels, have things on that roll around on carts, stuff like that. Um, here's a little trick I haven't been able to use it in my shop cause it's too small, but I've done it in the past. Uh, a lot of places have one of those, um, salvage, um, um, home re- repair. What do you call like a home building supply places? It's usually oh, like for humanity. Yeah. Thing. That kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you can get, um, kitchen ca- uh, cabinets that were base cabinets and put plywood on top and put casters on the bottom. Now you've got a rolling um, table or a workbench with drawers and cabinets in it. And that is something that's really affordable to get and really functional. So just another little trick, but um, putting things on wheels makes a lot of difference for me because then you can move stuff around and and make space where you need it when you need it. I would say don't get shit like like pay, if you're gonna get casters and do that, especially with a table like that, you're gonna put weight on it. Definitely get good casters because they'll fucking break. And especially if you have like the diamond plated stuff and it starts hitting bumps, it'll loosen things up. But I also want a second um, what Emma was saying, and, I, and I'll show you what I did real quick. Like if you're coming from a small place to a big place, I just packed everything into here. But I had the opportunity to go through all my shit and and kind of like put it in the way I wanted it to and label everything so it makes things super quick um because you don't have to just throw everything into a pile and then figure it out if you've got some time in your transition you know make a pile in your place um you know and maybe get a bunch of tupperwares i have a label maker for my work and uh and i because i had boxes and and i I had everything in time in like a what do you call outdoor shed where you put brooms Mm -hmm. i had all my stuff like it's like tetris in there and anytime I had to get something, I would have to pull a bunch of shit out to get to it. 
So when I came in here, I had a bunch of room, but I, I was like, well, I'm not going to, I can kind of keep that same thing going, but organize things. And, and instead of just all my electrical stuff, I pulled out components and made a little box for it. I pulled out um, wire nuts and I put them all like in this thing here and labeled them. And I mean, it took me a couple of hours, but anytime I need something, I know exactly where it is. And if I don't know exactly where it is, it doesn't take me very long to find it. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and an outlet for a welder, you know? Oh yeah. Jim, Jim will second that, right, Jim? Yeah. Like a proper outlet. Yeah. Um, so I, my little shop, I don't have the luxury of all you guys with your big garages, the thick cars and everything. I mean, my space is pretty tight, um, but it works. I mean, it just goes to show, you know, you just, it shows what little you need to get stuff done. And you watch bigger, the garage, the more stuff you end up accumulating, but I am jealous. Don't get me wrong, but you know, welder and a grinder come in super handy. Um, you know, I oh, use yeah. it all more than I thought I ever would. I suck at, at all of that, but you know, you get better and better as you go. Um, but it saved me you know, a bunch of money in repairs too, shift levers, things like that, the brake that you just kind of tack back together. Um, I think we another one we've all said a, a bunch of times. Um, it's just the Harbor Freight, <clears throat> the Harbor Freight lift. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a bet yeah. that you know. That's exactly what I was get. <laughs> you know, and I'll show you. Well, while we're doing the whole Zoom thing, the other thing I really like is I don't think you can see it. I got that little floor jack right there, that little scissor jack. Yep. 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 So that I can just pick it up. It goes right underneath the bikes, so I can you know zip put that under here, lift it up, and ergonomically, my back used to suck. But ever since I got the 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 lift and I do all the work, you know, so if I'm taking the tires off, I get it up on the table, lift it with that little scissor lift, um, take both the wheels off, and it's all right at chest level. It's life-changing. Yeah, the Harvard Freight lift thing is, yeah. And, and don't forget your mini fridge. Yeah. yeah. Any proper garage has a mini fridge. And if you're if you really want to go all yes. out, well, Bagel can show you what he has in his garage. Bagel, you know what I'm alluding to, don't you? Are you talking about whoops? Are you talking about my tire machine right here? Nope. Over in the corner it's next the to the sink. Chamber, Bagel. What's in the corner next to the sink? Oh yes. <laughs> Way over there, back in the corner, is my urinal. <laughs> nice. I think you're gonna join. Oh, there you go. Huh. There you okay. go. I know. I have no use for a urinal, but I'm like, that's cool. I want one in my garage. <laughs> Give it away. <laughs> hey, it's a challenge. You hey, know. A boudet. Hey, Mike. How do I do a boudet? <clears throat> she wants a bidet. <laughs> I got a garden hose right out here. It kind of works. Uh, <laughs> dig a hole, take a shit in it, and bury it. You know. Well, good to go. Ian, congratulations on getting a new house and a new garage. That is exciting. So, how many more bikes will this uh, give you room to buy yes. now? Well, I got three going in there as I know of it. I'm, I'm planning on probably having about five before I, you know, say I, say I need to get rid of something. But we'll good see. number. <laughs> well, congratulations, um, Bob. You've got your hand up, Bob. Do you have a question or some yeah. input? Well, actually, I got something for Ian okay. uh, or anyone that's going to be setting something up. Don't forget environmentals. Uh, you know, I live way up north, so heated garages are very nice. But down south, you know, maybe air or fans, because, you know, we know it, it, it's a lot nicer to work when you're comfortable than 
you're dripping sweat or freezing trying to work on your bike. Yeah, Bob, that's a good point because I'm coming from right on the coast where I had a one-car garage and shitty fiberglass garage door. The humidity and the salt is mm-hmm. – the salt's the number one thing with the humidity. Moving yeah. a little bit inland, so I'm hoping to kind of regulate it a little bit. I'm planning on yeah, putting so you a, you know, a ceiling fan or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I had one and it, it did actually, it worked pretty good, but with the salt air next to the ocean, it's, it's just a, a struggle everywhere you put it. I can yeah. imagine it's very corrosive, huh? It's, it's terrible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to be a little bit more inland where I don't have to worry about it as, as much, but it'll still be there a little bit. Well, that, that was a good one. How about you, Mike? You got some input or you got a question? Uh, mine was a, a question for Miss Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, Hello. Get, hey, Miss Emma. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, um, I'm from the Abyss of San Luis. I don't think I said oh. where I was. Oh, the where oh, I'm at. God. <laughs> <laughs> My old stomping ground. Go Mustangs. Yep. Uh, and I did get to ride with you uh, a few months back, Miss Emma. Oh, the, right. The gentleman's ride. Yes, That's right. When you did. caught up. <laughs> okay. So That's my question right. is, I've got the uh, cam cam chain tensioner, mm-hmm. which I pulled off the cover and it's got the stock ones in there. They didn't look too terrible, but I'm coming up on 40,000. So I'm going to go ahead and re- replace the, uh, with the hydraulics. Um, probably just going to do the screaming Eagle kit. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering if you had any, any tips or anything that to look out for, it might make it easier. It seems pretty straightforward. The process. It, 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 it's a very, very straightforward process. Understand what you're doing. Um, just remember that if you don't want to pull out the valve gear and pull out your push rods from the top, get the uh, the Jiffy adjustable push rods. Yeah, I planned on doing that. I don't really yeah, want to have to take off the tank and do all that stuff. Um, and I, I was bolt cutters. Don't forget that. I've got yeah, some bolt cutters. <laughs> it's fun to get them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never and let then, the customer watch that part, though. Yeah. While I'm in there, I was going to go ahead and upgrade the cams, too, since why not? What, what yeah, would why not? Uh, you or Rick recommend? What? Which bike is it? Uh, is it for your Dyna? The, the, the Dyna. The Dyna. I just want to do something mild. What year is it? Uh, 2004. So you're an 88 inch? Yep. Have you punched it out or done anything else to it yet? Do you have an airbox and a it's, pipe? Uh, oh, yeah, it does have, I, when I bought it, I think it's got the big sucker on it. And it okay. basically has no mufflers. It looks like they took them off and put on these little two inch tips. I, I <laughs> want to I want to put some actual uh, actual <laughs> exhaust system on it. It's uh, a little like annoyingly loud. <laughs> I find yes. that a, a nice two into one on those things with a little bit of back pressure and that thing wants to scoot your bottom ends there all of a sudden and you're jumping instead of crawling off the line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, for the cams, if you're trying to do just a bolt in cam, just be leery of the lift. Make sure you're not exceeding what can bolt in. So you're not overstressing stuff. Um, and I think you could totally do it to keep it simple job. I'd say get a kit with everything inclusive. When I did my motor build, um, I got stuff from Fuel Moto, and that guy, Jamie, puts together kind of a kit. So it's these pistons, these cylinders, Bob Woods cams, blah, blah, blah. And it was nice because I had some stuff go left. And I was able to call and be like, hey, guy that put that kit together, what the hell do I do here? Walk through it. Everything was a peach. Um, 
you know, I'd say keep it all simple and do the kit thing. There's a lot of really great manufacturers with aftermarket cam plates right now too. Uh, SNS fueling, all that stuff that's out, totally worth looking at. And you'll probably be able to get a cam kit and everything from SNS for pretty cheap right now, I think. That's, okay, that's so what you... I'm thinking. And I concur, don't go bananas with a lift. It's all about duration, Mike. So be guided by what the manufacturer says. Generally, if you go for a high lift cam, it can actually take power away at the bottom where you want it and give you lots and lots of power at the top, which is a nice rush, but you're going to be like, God, this is gutless off the line. And um, without the compression and displacement doing it too, you may not get the benefits from a lot of certain cams. Out right. there. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a balance. I um, say make the phone call. I mean, I, I'm old. People get weird. I don't know. I think it's call SNS. Those dudes are wizards and they love right. you know, and be like, hey, I've got this. Here's where I'm trying to go. Which cam do you think would be right? They have easy start cams, I was gonna say, too, that are neat. And it's so I, I it sounds like what you need to put is a little bit of Viagra in the gas tank if you're trying to get lift and duration. There you go. Hey now. Ah! Well, a little bit relative. <laughs> but you know, um, Mike's actually got my favorite Harley. He's got this delightful Super Glide, um, which, as Mike points out, is a little loud, um, but it's just it's a good, solid entry level bike. And the thing is about diners, there's a gazillion of them out there. So people like SNS, they know exactly what to do. The thing is, Mike, be really think about how you want to ride the bike. If, you, if you're going to ride it around town, which is how most of us ride our bikes, and you want a good launch off the line, plenty of power where you want it, and a nice steady build at the top, that's, going to, that's not going to be a high lift cam. That's going to be a longer duration cam. And SNS will they'll advise you on all that stuff. I, I'll have to give them a call. I'm, I'm, yeah, give them a call. I'm curious. It's, it's my... I, I've always thought that it's possible that a lot of the performance enhancements for Harley's was more psychological. You know, I mean, Fun. Screaming awesome. Eagle sounds so cool. I'm just curious. Do you guys think if they called it a hissing possum instead of a Screaming cool. Eagle, that as many people would be buying this stuff? Oh, there's this horrible saying in the South. When you get your bike worked on, they say it runs like a raped ape. I fucking hate that thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. But so at work, we had this whole thing where I was like, well, what else does it run like? And we're like, oh, a mauled marmoset. You know, and like for a whole oh, day, God. we just came up with shit. So remember, come... it could be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> my, can we, can we come up with a game? Are you... Are you... Mike, are you cutting everyone off so that we can play a game right now? No, I want to. I want to come up with a game where we could rename the Screaming Eagle. You know, the best oh, name. Oh, I see what oh, you're screaming saying. Chicken. Like, well, I, I kind of like hissing like possum. That. That's my favorite. I like it. I like it. The shitty shooter. <laughs> it's got to be like catchy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I like quacking mouse. Quacking mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything cooler than uh, Screaming Eagle? <sighs> I like the speaking weasel. <laughs> what? Growling tiger? No, I don't know. Angry grandma. <laughs> Growling tiger. 
Oh my god. These pipes. I just got them online. They're called the angry that, grandma. That is vicious, angry grandma. <laughs> oh they're not god. very loud. Well, but they're angry. How about how about if we do play a game cuz I do have a game prepared. You guys okay, want to yeah. you want to play a little game of uh Cooler Fool Emma edition? Oh, yeah? oh, hang on. Yeah, you Always. get yourself ready. <clears throat> so, I'm going to explain how this game works. And um we're going to use all of our our friends here uh I think everyone gets a chance to play. Here's how it works. Uh, I've picked a, a topic. It might be an item, a thing, a, a concept, whatever. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And then you have to guess if Emma thinks it's cool or fool. And you also have an opportunity to explain why you think she thinks this way. So if it's something maybe she's on the fence on, you can convince her to agree with your side. Does that make sense? Right. Um Right, you... help. Uh, Emma, just so you know, you're. I think that mic isn't even on the one that you keep using. Okay, are you are you ready to go, Emma? No, she's almost ready. Okay, so um, let's see. Let's pick our first victim. Oh, you know how about Chris? Chris, this is like your third time on our show, right? So you're 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 a misfit now. How about we start with you? Okay. All right, I'm going to let you prepare your argument right now. I'm going to give you a second to think about it as she's getting ready. Now, what do you think Emma thinks about the new Harley Pan America motorcycle? Because there's a lot of people talking about it. They're considering getting it, and uh, it's, they're comparing it to, like, the GS 1250. Um, so... Uh, this is a lot of people. It's controversial right now. So I want to know, what do you think Emma thinks about the Harley Pan America? Is it cool or fool? No, that's a tough one because I'm one of those that actually wants to really like it. Mm -hmm. So I would say cool because it's Harley reaching out to basically an untapped audience. All right. Emma, what do you think of the Harley Pan America? Cool. Uh, What what do you think is cool about the Pan America? Well, you know, it's it's first off the the adventure bike market's been done to death. Triumph, do the Explorer, the GS, of course. I mean, you could argue uh, um, that the Multistrada's adventure bike of sorts. But there's always room for one more. And you know what? When I go back to all the times, Jim, that we were at the one show and we saw those Harley Davidson engined desert bikes, they're cool as hell. Yeah. So a Harley powered adventure. And bike. if you look at. <clears throat> well, you've seen people do it. I think they're. So one thing I'll say quickly is a cool thing about the the Harley Adventure bike is the price point. It's under twenty grand, you know. So yeah. I mean, how many decent Harleys can you buy for under twenty grand? But I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about the components and the suspension to do. But if you look at, if you want to see one of the best examples, I think of a desert hooligan big V twin is Carducci Dual Sport. Um, you know, Carducci, we had them on the podcast, and he's taking a big V twin, and I, you have to see the bike, but. Um, Brilliant stuff. So, I mean, will it catch on with Harley buyers? That's the thing. And for seventeen right. grand, 
you know, you can get a used Africa twin for, you know, 10 or 11. Um, you know, so, you know, will Harley buyers buy it? I guess that's a question. And then how much money do you put into it afterwards? But no, I, I, I think it's cool as hell. I really do. Okay. All right. So let's go to Dan. Dan, and this is controversial. I want to know what you think. Dan Emma thinks. What do you think Emma thinks of halfy helmets? What? You know, halfy helmets. Half helmets. Yeah. Skid lid. Skid lids. <laughs> Brain buckets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Daytona uh, special. I'm gonna ha- <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna have to say fool. Fool. Do you, and why fool. do you think she thinks it's fool? I it, they're I mean they, they, they do look good and they do fit the image, but they, they don't do the job. All right. Emma, what do you say about half helmets? Yeah. Emma says, yeah, you're, absolute, you're absolutely right. I mean, for Christ's sake, guys, if you're going to put a helmet on, put a fucking helmet on. Don't put a, like, pudding basin on your head. Um, and the truth is, you know, I'm not even really sure they look that cool. They certainly don't look as cool as the guys who are wearing them think they are. Um, you know, you might as well not wear a helmet at all, Emma. Which might actually be quite cool. Do you know? Do you know why I find that your answer amusing? Yes. I have so many pictures of you wearing my happy helmet. Anytime you go test ride someone's bike, you grab my happy helmet and throw it on. I know because it's there. <laughs> you know? I do it at work. They're quick grab. They're right there. I know. Do as I say, not do as I this do. Is exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, Dan, we could all say it. I, I mean, I wore mine out today. I bought it on my scooter. I, I use it especially for test rides, so I can hear what's going on with the bike. But I'm still complying with the law of having a helmet. If I'm just riding around town, um, or even when I done like a cross country trip and it was in August and hot. I took a heavy helmet, so I was always had a helmet, but yeah, so that, that, yep, you, you got it wrong on that one. All right, let's, let's go with, yeah, I think you see those half helmets in states that require helmets. Yeah. Because like, you know, around here, they just don't wear a helmet if you don't want to. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to do as, do as I say, not as I do. All right. How about Moto Mike? I got one for you. I don't know. This might seem easy, but maybe not. Um, what do you think Emma thinks about assless chaps? Is there any other kind? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to think about. <laughs> um, for myself, even though I'm a Harley rider, I don't like chaps because besides maybe if it's just cold blocking the wind, they don't keep you dry everywhere if it's wet. Uh, so for me, I wear overpants on the way to work when it's cold and wet. Um, and I guess they're not going to provide any protection for your, for your ass if you go sliding down the road. So <laughs> I, I'm going to say full. All right. Emma, what do you think about well, assless chaps? You see, you're only, it's, it's kind of half, half answered because in a motorcycling environment, it's full. Okay. However, if you're dealing with grinder, it's all about the environment or uh christian mingle dancing on a bar top 
There you go. Come on. They do make your package look really good. Can we all just admit that? Absolutely. Well, I got a question, though. Aren't chaps supposed to be for, like, horses? And then that's, like, so branches and stuff don't hit you on the side? Yeah, pretty much. Basically. Yes. I mean, that doesn't really relevant on a bike too much. Actually, no. When I was a cruiser rider, I had chaps and I wore them all the time because they actually do keep your legs warmer. But without having it in the ass, it's more comfortable sitting for long times and riding. So it does protect your legs from uh, from cold and from things coming up, rocks and stuff. But and how else can you access your Starbucks card if you don't have access? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice wearing, one. Wearing them over here, you get off your bike and you take your chaps off, and it looks like you just wet your pants if it's wet out. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. no, and that's true. <laughs> Incidentally, if you are in England and somebody says, "Oh, do you have your chaps with you?" It would mean something completely different. Your your so mates. If somebody said, yes. Do you have your chaps with you? It would be. Do you have some nastily dressed young men wearing <laughs> blazers and hats at jaunty angles? And yes, I've got my chaps with me. <laughs> there they are. It's <laughs> Timothy and Rooty Boy and Pip. All right, let's go with Bryce. I've got one for you here. So, you know, Emma, um, she is a very good fabricator and especially restorer. The thing she loves to do is to make things look stock or look old when they're not. So I want to know, um, so Bryce, do you think, what do you think she thinks of brat style custom bikes? Can you let me know a little bit about brat? Is it like, uh, so Google probably- it, Google it, brat style. It's 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 kind of like a, along the vein of Cafe Racer, but it's yeah. this v- long, very low seat, and it's the millennials. These dang millennials! It's something that they kind of created. It's, it would be a newer, newer style. Can anyone better describe a brat style bike? Oh, seventies Japanese kinda bike, like a, flat, flat yeah. seat, flat seat, yeah, high pipe, seat that looks no like a flat seat. Yeah knobby tires yeah yeah no i think uh yeah i see some pictures here uh no i think she'd think they're pretty cool because it yeah mm-hmm. i see they're from i am rick yeah it's pretty cool i think she'd think they're pretty cool and i think the flat seat is extra cool because she could carry two or three of her friends on the on the street <laughs> uh, you nailed it all, the, all, the two or three shops. Oh. <laughs> all right oh, emma Bryce. I'm, oh, I'm no. going to break your heart, darling. Oh. I hate Ooh. them. And oh. the, only, the only reason is they've been done to death. Um, to me, customizing a bike is creating it in something that you have in your mind. And, you know, the whole Brat style is so formulaic now. You have to have the flat seat. You have to have the racked down pipes. You have to have the flat black wheel rims. You have to have the <clears throat> tires. And it's like you have to build it to this exact formula or it's not a brat style bike. And to me, that's kind of defeating the object of customization. You know, customization really should be like, you know, if everybody painted um pictures that look like van gogh's they wouldn't be special i mean it a customized bike should be something that's very very personal and if if you lack the imagination and have to build it to a formula don't bother just buy a stock bike 
I've upset a lot of people, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> and Bryce, I am sorry, darling, but... Where'd uh, everybody go? I'll, I'll take that one for the team. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure way back in about the year 2000, the very, very first Bratz-style bike was cool as hell. Mm. 100,000 Brat bikes later, some good, some bad, some with brown seats, some with Firestone tires on. You know, they, they, the, the genre is like, oh, God, another fucking Brat. So there you go. Sounds All good. right. Well, you guys aren't doing that great so far. <laughs> no, they are. They're doing very well. I don't know what podcast <laughs> they're listening to. <laughs> this one. I know. <laughs> Yeah, All on. right, let's go with Ian M. You're up next. Um, Ian, what do you think Emma thinks about the Yamaha Nikon? You know that thing with the weird two wheels in front? It has two different yep. sets of forks. It looks like a monstrosity. What do you think Emma thinks about that bike? I would say cool just for the weirdness of nothing else. That's a good guess. Emma. And and I got to ride one of them uh, the other last year. Uh, did test ride. I was surprised. It's cool as hell. <laughs> oh, my God. There I mean, go. anybody who puts an extra front end on a bike. <laughs> oh, my God. It's right up there with stretch pusas, right? Absolutely. Nice. You know, Ooh, um, can you make a stretch No, I mean, stretch you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, what I, I said. It's it's a misfit among spikes. And the thing is, you've got to take your hat off to Yamaha because they consistently come up with this goofy stuff that um, really is, it's like nothing else on the road. Like the Nikon, the GTS 1000, even the VMAX back in the day. I mean, it was a huge leap of faith. So, um, no, I love everything. Anything that's different and weird. And, and the, the Nikon is weird. Just to add to it, when I rode one, I didn't expect it to be as responsive as it is. It looks like it would be slow for, for turning, but it wasn't. It was really responsive. If anything, it gave me a lot more confidence on the road because you have double traction on the front wheel. So I felt like I, I wanted to get it onto a track and really push it into corners. Like that's what I want to do. I was had a lot of confidence on it. I thought it was pretty cool too. All right. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna keep this going down the line. Let's get to who's next. Ken. Ken. Hey. <laughs> uh, I think I think that you've been around long enough. You'll know what this is. Um, uh, I want to see what you think. Emma thinks about the Honda ATC 250R. Do you know what I'm referring to? I do not. I'll be honest. You know I the famous the Honda three-wheeler that kept killing people, so oh, they yes, banned them? Yes. The outlawed <laughs> yeah. three-wheeler? That's right. Yeah, I do. Now I, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what would, do you think? What do you think Emma thinks? Are I they would, cool or fool? I think she would say, uh, oh. bad design or I'm just really cool? cool? Uh, cool. Yeah? Why do you think she thinks it's cool? Oh. Because <laughs> they are kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, anything that kills people is cool. No, man. no. Um, 
I yeah. broke my arm I, twice I, I, on on yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I friends of mine that had them, we'd pull each other. We'd grab on and we'd pull each other down snowy county roads on them. You know, you'd just kind of barefoot ski behind them. Um, so yeah, <laughs> they. I'm going to say cool. I guess I should stick with that, but I'm having buyer's remorse about that answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, Emma, before you before you it. give your answer, I'm I want to know trouble. what I want to know what Bob thinks since he's broken two arms. Bob, are they cool or okay. full? Oh, they're awesome. That's the price of doing business. Emma, yeah. what do you think about the you know, ATC 250R? It, it's full. Oh. It was designed to, no, it was designed to kill people. You know? It really yeah, was. I, I think... In retrospect, it's very, very easy to look back and laugh about it. But people got very, very hurt on that on that mm -hmm. trike. And it was so lethal. Honda spent millions setting up training centers to try oh. and get beyond the reputation that that bike gave them. And because that facility ooh. that we visited yes, exactly. in... in um, uh, not wasn't Corona, Los Angeles. Right? Yeah. There's places like that all over the country. So, mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's I'm borderline. But oh, I'm that's kind of, <laughs> if it was a Yamaha or a Suzuki, I would forgive it a little more. But you know, Hondas aren't meant to kill you. They should have known better. Yeah. Is yeah, it, well, you know exactly it. it yeah. It, I think we're really going to look at it as a misstep for Honda because they yeah. knew what they were doing. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jim, is it just me or does Ken look like the $6 million man? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. How's that music go? Lee <laughs> Majors. Long as you don't see him at Bonneville. Yeah, as long as you don't see him at Bonneville tumbling across the salt flats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just as a brief side note, the reason why these things were so lethal was that solid rear axle. Right. And that's what made them so unstable because in in a differential gear, when you turn, your outside wheel is tracking a larger radius than your inside wheel. So it's actually turning faster. And so, hence, the differential makes mm. that happen. An ATC has a solid rear axle, so it's constantly fighting you. You're steering, sure. but the back wheels are wanting you to go straight on. So it's, it's constantly scary. fighting. And it's fun if it's a 125 or even a 90 or something and so forth. But when you've got a 40-horsepower, two-stroke two 250 that's fighting you, you know, people get hurt. Sure. But that's what made mm -hmm. them so hard. It wasn't inherently that a triangle is, is unstable. It was mm -hmm. that solid rear axle. If you'd have put a proper differential in the back, it really would have changed the nature of them. But of course, that would have added a huge amount to the cost. Sure. All sure. right. Okay. Thank you. All right, Ian. Ian L, are you ready for yours? This is this is this is one I all admit I sure. don't know the answer for. Ian, what do you think Emma thinks about leather fringe? 
Well, I'll be more specific. You know, you get like jackets with leather fringe. You get saddlebags with leather fringe. You get some people put it on their hand grips, a leather fringe. Um, think of like, you know, an old Indian leather fringe, right? What do you think Emma thinks of leather fringe? I mean, how could you not think that's cool? Oh, it's the simplest one in the world, darling. It's cool <laughs> as hell. Of course. <laughs> it's the coolest. I I will agree. I always like, especially like the, the, the Indians, like I love the, the leather fringe. The only thing is I learned my lesson the hard way. Um, and I threw that one in just as a test. Don't get the fringe on the hand grips. Because that shit smacks you in the arm. It hurts so much. Have you seen a seat done with it a lot on the side? I I saw this chopper seat recently with like one foot fringe. Looks like a sheepdog. Water falling all the way around it. Oh Oh, my lord, I want to ride that. Look at that smacker. Yeah, I just don't don't get the whole concept of the fringe stuff. It looks like the rear tire is going to eat the whole bike. Leather fringe. Here's a top tip, though. If you have a leather jacket with the fringe and you get caught in a rainstorm, careful how you dry it out, because if you dry it out too fast, your fringe goes crispy. And instead of flapping, they kind of go at crazy angles and it looks like a cat with the mange. <laughs> <laughs> Mind your tassels. All yes. right. So, um, Bob, I got one for you. What do you think Emma thinks about traction control? You know, she loves her vintage bikes. Mm. Oh, boy. Traction yeah, control. I, I, what do you think? Uh, now you're asking me to try to think like Emma, and that never works. Well. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to say what I feel, and I feel it's cool, because I, I, I'm into safety. ABS, traction control. All that kind of All stuff. The things. It's nice to be able to shut it off. So All right. it's, cool. it's also another right. thing to go wrong. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. It's like, yeah, no, it's true. It's one more element to, to keep people like Emma employed. <laughs> yeah. So Emma. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Miss Emma. What do you think? I'm going to, I'm going to break your heart too. Oh, Ooh. it's in that it's in the wording abs i love abs because it, it's a safety thing traction control you could argue that traction control and abs are two sides of the same coin they are but they're not um abs really helps you traction control is quite intrusive you should all should know me well enough right now that I'm a horsepower junkie. The more horsepower you can give me, the happier I am. And TCS actually cuts your horsepower. When that back wheel starts spinning, it ratchets your horsepower down. So anyone who knows me that anything that affects horsepower, count me out. There you go. It was, and I'll say... Alrighty. Like Jim and I, though, I think we've learned to really appreciate it on our Africa Twins, um, as long as it's in the right setting, because there are times it has hindered on pavement or on dirt. that's the key. Um, You know, unless you're riding like 200 plus horsepower, you should never need TCS on the street. Never. 
Yeah. Well, I, I it does give me confidence when I'm riding on like wet roads or something. I like having it on just just in case. It, it might just be okay. a confidence builder. I don't even know that I've ever, you know, accessed it while on the pavement. But on on but dirt, what we you've actually have. Do is let's expand this further because I want to make sure that people understand that I'm not against ABS. Mm-hmm. So when you lose traction, your natural natural inclination is to shut the throttle and brake. Okay? So if we take ABS, if you lose traction on your braking, your natural inclination is to shut off and brake more, which will cause a wreck. Do we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where ABS is helping you. If we take TCS, if you lose traction when you're giving it the beans, what are you going to do? You're going to shut the throttle. Yeah, you're going to shut the throttle. Only a madman opens the throttle wider if you've lost traction and you're accelerating. So you've just you've you've just done the job of the TCS, and that's your natural inclination. So ABS, yes, that's helping you enhance your natural inclination. TCS, that's just taking over. From your natural inclination, which you won't really need anyway. You're accelerating on a wet road and the back spins out because you're giving it too much. You're just going to shut off anyway. All right. Well, there I you go. I changed my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple more. Um, let me hit up some of the misfits then. How about Jim? Let's hit you up. What do you think Emma thinks of the Hawk 250 dirt bike? Like the one behind Bryce that you can buy on Amazon for what is it like? How much are they, Bryce? Uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars delivered to your house. Oh my god! A two fifty cc dirt bike from China. Well, who doesn't who doesn't like a two fifty? Who doesn't like a dirt bike? It comes apparently with your own wallpaper you can put on your, <laughs> your computer screen. Um, very accessible, affordable. Let me see, uh, Emma. How old is that brass hammer you have? <laughs> <laughs> how old is that press press hammer it, it, it's not quite carter administration but yeah exactly uh, no no yes, uh, she would I, I think emma might shite all over that that chineseum <laughs> dirt bike not to take anything away from it i just know uh emma's love for things mechanical that last and things that last are well built they're well constructed the metal metallurgy is done well, um, you know, and those are all things I think when I see Emma go through bikes, she considers all the things. And I just don't see Emma wrapping her bosom embrace around uh, around Bryce's bike uh, for those reasons. Not to take any, I would I would take Bryce's bike to AMA Vintage Days every day, all day. Yeah. So nothing, but I just don't see Emma it being quite up her alley. Emma, what do you think of the Hawk 250? Oh, Jim, 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 Jim. I think it's cool as well. I'll tell you why. So disappointed. Tell you why. Bryce, darling. Bryce, darling. Yes. What did you do today? Oh, I took it out through uh, mud, mud and dirt roads. Today, Bryce took out his bike 
and he rode it and had a damn good time on it. And it cost him 1500 bucks for a brand new bike. You can't go wrong. You absolutely can't go wrong. If you can buy a brand new bike for that amount of money and you can go out and have some fun on it, it's the coolest thing in the world. Jim, come on, get a grip, man. Ah, okay, sorry. I got to ex- extend my credit cards a little bit more so I can buy some $1,500 dirt bikes. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's everything's valid. A motorbike, if you can swing your leg over it and have fun and fall off it and hurt yourself and just pee your pants laughing and get muddy and bloody and ride it home and think, Christ, what a brilliant day, which I think Bryce did today. 1500 bucks for a new bike. You absolutely can't go wrong. So, and, and that that's coming from Emma, the biker. Um, I'd like to talk to Emma, the mechanic for a minute. Emma, the mechanic, what do you think of the Hawk 250? Oh, I would have to see one. I mean, <laughs> I had, I remember somebody showed up at Superbikes on a Zhong, Zhong <laughs> which I think is probably quite similar. And um, I was absolutely appalled how badly the thing was actually bolted together. But he rode it in and he rode it away and it actually sounded quite sweet. So, you know, I mean, you pay your money and take your choice. If you waddle off down to Monterey Peninsula Power Sports and buy a CR250F, it's what, five and a half grand now, mm-hmm. isn't it? Six yeah. grand. So for a quarter of the price, are you getting a quarter of the bike? Are you getting a quarter of the fun? You know, I'm sure the fit and finish on it is a bit core blimey in places, and I'm sure Bryce would be the first to admit it. But if you can actually swing your leg over it and have some fun on it, um, you know, that's really where the buck's got to stop. And uh, can I can I throw out there, um, prior, prior to buying it, I actually um, let, read a lot on, like, the Facebook um, user groups and uh, maintenance groups, blogs, for the bike, you know, um, so I did learn a lot about stuff that I never experienced. For example, uh, a carburetor and a chain right. because all my bikes have been uh, Buells. So they're belt driven and fuel injection. And uh, in courtesy of you guys, you know, I, I got my buddy gave me um, a CX 650X or 650C. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn about carbs, but I didn't have to learn about chains because it had a, a shaft drive. So, you know, the bike, I, I fully entered it, you know, learning about the issues and how to work around the issues. Um, so it was kind of like a, a challenge, you know, like entering it, expecting that I'd have to, you know, rebuild the carb or replace the chain frequently or, uh, you know, deal with maintenance. And actually, you know, the fit and finish, like a lot of the plastic body panels, I actually intentionally leave off because it just rattles <laughs> so much and I don't want to lose them on the side of the road. So I kind of eliminated some some failure points by just leaving off the the green plastic. But other than that, it's it's been fun. It's it's getting better with with. Uh, I think I'm up to 700 kilometers because that's what's on the speedo. It's fun, you know, and cheap, cheap entry point. So I'd like to weigh in on this because a year ago I would have told anyone the same thing: don't waste your money on a Chinese bike. Just don't do it. But a lot has changed in the last year, and one of the things that's changed. For two reasons, um, you can no longer buy a cheap project bike on Craigslist. 
when they started charging five bucks to list, people didn't want to waste. They're selling a bike for a couple hundred. They don't want to pay five bucks. Also, everyone bought up all the project bikes for since they're they're you know COVID right, and they're looking for projects. So finding a cheap project bike to learn how to wrench on is hard to come across now. So now having one of those bikes that even though it's new, it's still it's all the old basic mechanical things, and you're not going to find many mechanics who will work on it. If you want to get into wrenching, that's a great project to have is one of those. So that's, I've kind of changed my story a bit on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm hope you do get in there and learn how to work on it more. All right. I got one more and let's go to Rick and this might be Rick. This might be an easy one for you. I don't know. Since you go back, I know have known Emma a long time. Um, but I, again, I don't know the answer to this. Rick, what do you think Emma thinks of sidecars? Oh, curveball. Now, I mean, I could say she has a love-hate, but this is Mm -hmm. a Mm one-sided. I'm going to say, Emma's going to say, cool, as long as we're sticking with the appropriate vehicle with the sidecar. If we're talking about grafting a sidecar on something that does not need a sidecar, I don't think that's what we're talking about. The so last... I'm going to say if the vehicle is a sidecar bike, you know, if it's if it's a you know an airhead with like a sidecar that's appropriate, an mm-hmm. old panhead or something that's a sidecar bike. But if it's an SV650 with a sidecar, I'm going to be kind of confused. You know, the last bike with a sidecar that I I rode was actually a buddy scooter. Ooh, yeah, with the sidecar. Well, like muddying the waters. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and that's say fitting. cool though. Cool. Let's... All right, Emma, yeah. what do you think about sidecars? Cool. I win. <laughs> oh, they're cool as fuck. Um, and you know what? Isle of Man TT races, the sidecar racing is always the crowd terrifying. favorite. It's terrifying. It's brilliant. It's it's just the best. You so know, sidecar cool. The, the little monkeys dangling off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jim and I have seen in person, I think the coolest sidecar rig ever. Um, what's the name of the director from the Titanic and Avatar? Oh, James Cameron. James Cameron. Jim, you know where I'm going with this one? Oh, we were going about the coffee maker up in Portland, but I think we're going no, to and I think Peterson. When we talked to oh. Gary, yes, when we talked to Gary Davis, they used it on Terminator too. It's um, it's a VMAX with a sidecar rig with a camera rig attachment. Oh. So the camera operator is sitting on the sidecar, but the rider is on a VMAX because it can haul fucking ass. Well, and it's not a Harley, so it'll start when they got the film because that's expensive. And it's pretty, it's a pretty <laughs> cool thing to see. I, yeah. will, I will take your sidecar up a notch even from there. If oh. you will recall the Batman bat cycle. Ah, uh, yes. Robin had the sidecar. And not only was it a sidecar, but Liza, do you want to tell the rest of the story about the sidecar? Yeah, it's a little car that rolls out of the sidecar, and, and it's like a little go-kart. I have the model in the garage. So Robin could detach from the bat cycle and drive it around this little sidecar. I'll take you Is even one deeper. for Emma to build? Ooh. Oh, I could build one of those. Um, I'll take you one deeper. Let's see. Emma, do you know what motorcycle was used for the original bat cycle? Mm-hmm. 
crickets. I think it was a Yamaha. It was a big bear. No, and now I'm forgetting. It was, uh, I think, an Italian like 60s bike. Anyone else know what it is? Like, all I can remember it was like a, it was like a six, 650. Bearings. I think it was like a 650. I um, Google that shit. I got to look at it. Oh, it may have been a like Yamaha. Emma, actually, I think you're right, Emma. I think it was a Yamaha. I, I think it was a Yamaha two-stroke. It might have been yep, a big bear. Yep, yep. I think However, you're right. The coolest sidecar of all, the coolest oh. sidecar of all was also the most controversial. And you guys have never heard of it. And you're going to have to Google it, Liza. Okay. And it was raced by a guy called Rolf Bieland. So if you Google R-O-L-F, B-I-L-A-N-D is B-O. B-E-O. Wait, what? Rolf Bieland's B-O. And it looks like a Maserati with a wheel missing. Uh, oh, Rolf Bieland B-O sidecar. What? Oh, oh, it does. It's uh, not no, wild. Hard to describe what that is. Yeah, it looks like a bumper car with two riders. It's like, so, um, yeah. The B.O. was very, very controversial when it came out because it won everything. It was one of the first truly integral sidecars. It was designed as a sidecar just complete. So it's really a racing car with a wheel missing. And it won everything. And so the natural inclination was to ban it. But it really set the standard standards for the day i mean yeah. rolf Bieland. this is probably god 30 35 years ago yeah when you there see it, is, see it like that you can tell oh, they just took the one wheel off yeah interesting so the bat the wild? bat cycle the, the bat cycle was a catalina 250 but it was a yamaha okay. yamaha yeah you were right with the yamaha but I was I googled it too. It's the in the first season in the first uh, one episode they used a Harley, a 1965 Harley Davidson oh. with a sidecar. Wow, that is cool. Just one episode in the first season, and then they went to the Catalina. After the stuntman died. <laughs> huh. Yeah, probably something. All right, I'm hey Emma. I'm gonna throw in one more, and this is an impromptu because I just got a text on this one, and this is pretty cool. Okay. Um, so you know our friend Sheila in Texas. Yes. Hello, Sheila. Well, I don't know if you saw what she has made. Um, I'm yes, trying to find the picture. she did that little Grom adventure bike. I mean, so um. Sheila is not very big and so yeah she she has trouble fitting on larger bikes and she took a Grom here it is and turned it into an adventure bike and she went out on a legit adventure with guys on like big adventure bikes and has been riding with them how cool is that it's the coolest thing in the world um so I gotta she's gonna kill me for this I gotta follow up so Poor Sheila, she's out there riding in uh, down in Texas with all these guys on big bikes, and they're all crashing and everything. So she crashes. She she's okay, but she broke a couple ribs. Decided to ride in the chase vehicle and kind of take it easy. And so at one point she had to. They were stopped, so she had to pee. So she went over to a little little cliff edge just to crawl down it to get hot, you know, hidden, and fell down. 
Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> fell down and uh, fell about four feet onto cactus and rocks. Oh, oh no! Worse <laughs> with broken ribs. Oh, Bless her little oh, heart. Oh, and I asked her. I said, "So, what do you think of adventure riding now?" And she's like, "Love it." <laughs> I said, "Well, adventure riding and adventure peeing." <laughs> exactly. Fall down, hit the rocks, get all them needles in you, and you still gotta pee. <laughs> well, unless you're mid-act peeing, and then you got a whole nother situation. But did she? I mean, did she have a trousers doing or, or had she already taken her trousers off? Or, oh, my no, God. No, I think she was oh. crawling down when she uh, fell. Anyway. that would have been something if she was actually peeing and then fell. That would have been extremely painful. I, you know, I thought it was cool when she was telling me about this project she was doing. But then to see her out there riding with people on, like, DR650s and 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 big bikes and she's hanging with them on this adventure ride i'm like okay that's kind of badass <laughs> no i that's think that's sweet. that's wonderful well there you go that's a round of cooler fool emma edition what'd you guys think of that pretty fun Excellent. i i never know what she's gonna say either i'll be honest I like trying uh, that's why i try and come up with topics i'm like oh i wonder what she's gonna think of that well you know my promise is always to be honest with everyone, which means that if I don't agree with you, you know, as, as heartbreaking as it is, and it breaks my heart as well, but it's important to me that I give an honest answer. And so um, it is what it is. Um, everyone has an opinion. I have a quick announcement to make. It seems like we're just doing these back to back, and that's because we are. I'm, I'm announcing that. We've now started working on our next Moto Film Festival, and this time it's going to be Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. I'm excited about this because um, a lot of people don't realize that last year, this time, we had curated, had judged, had judges watch all these films and had an amazing film festival for everyone. And then COVID hit and the theaters got shut down and nobody but the judges got to see all these films. Um, and there was some really cool stuff in there. So... Um, we're going to be taking it online again, the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. But the announcement I want to make, this is going to be in May. The announcement I want to make is we're currently accepting submissions for films. So if there's somebody out there who um, wants to make a film, has a film, or knows somebody who made a film, I mean, we have a, a category of five-minute films. So it's anywhere from uh, short to ultra shorts, which is under 10 minutes, uh, to features. And we the, the, the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival is about all things two wheels. I want to show as much of the two-wheeled community as possible. Every I want to see everything. So if, if, if anyone out there has any films that they've made or want to make and submit or know somebody who's made a film... Go to RevSisters.com. We're going to be putting up the link to submit films for the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. And uh, I'll be giving updates as we're getting this curated and, and, and tickets become available for next May. So there you go. Hello. Emma, we got, yes, we got a little bit of time left. I wanted, I wanted to know, did you have anything you wanted to talk about or share with everyone? Well, how would you like it if I did a very, very brief little history hole? Okay. So, um, 
So I wanted to talk about, it's quite timely really. Um, we've had a lot of um, motorcycle racers on the show. Um, we've talked about what we admire in racing and what we feel is the pinnacle. And my answer has always been the same, is the, is the Isle of Man TT. Um, they cancelled it again for 2021, unfortunately. But I thought it might be nice just to talk a little bit about the very, very early years of the Isle of Man TT and how oh. it became to be. So, you know. Look at what? Emma. Did you see what he's wearing? Did you see what Jim's wearing? Yeah. We had a Isle listener send us. We, uh, we, we got a special invite. And you didn't get the invite? It's, it's for the, the 2020 race. that didn't happen. Emma, guess what? I've got one of those with your name on it here, too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, perfect. Um, but, you know, why the Isle of Man? How, you know, how did it come to be? How did it become this spectacle? And so it's, I think a lot of people don't realize that the Isle of Man TT goes back as far as it does. I mean, it goes back, actually, to 1904. Now, this is before the bikes actually raced. So the, the, the reason why the Isle, of Man TT, the Isle of Man was picked was in 1903, Britain had a mandatory 20 miles an hour speed limit. That was it. You couldn't go above 20 miles an hour anywhere. Now, remember, this was the infancy of motor vehicles. 20 miles an hour was considered a, a, a very, very high rate of speed back then. Um, we'd gone beyond, you know, the guy walking in front of the car with the red flag. But still, that was the absolute top speed anywhere. And so what we've got is um, the secretary of the Automobile Club of Great Britain. He was very, very interested in competition. Now, competition back then was not necessarily ultimate top speed, but it was trials. It was trials for these new cars, which would involve climbing hills, yes, ultimate top speed, but braking and handling trials. And um, he was very, very aware that in Britain, 20 miles an hour, it wasn't going to fly. So um, he approached the Isle of Man as a stopgap measure because the Isle of Man is situated between Britain and Ireland. And he was secretary of the Automobile Club, which covered both countries. So he thought, you know, the Isle of Man, this, this might be an interesting thing. And they said, yeah, sure, you can run a trial here. And the original trials were called the Gordon Bonnet Trials. And there were races, but it was over a Highland course. Um, it was basically a road course. And this is what makes the Isle of Man special. It was always on public roads. And the Isle of Man's a mountainous little island. If anybody's ever actually been there, it's not like Florida. It's the complete opposite. It's it's hilly, it's mountainous. One minute you're up high, the next minute you're down by the coast, weather can change. It's a great trial for a vehicle. So in 1904, the Gordon Bonnet um, 
time trials were held. In 1905, they introduced motorcycles. So 1905, however, bikes back then weren't even powerful enough to complete the course. The, the, so really, we have to go to 1907 when the first motorcycles raced. And there were two classes. There was the single-cylinder nine-horsepower class and the twin-cylinder seven-and-a-half-horsepower <laughs> class. Isn't that amazing? Um, I think, I think, my, I think my, my vacuum has more horsepower. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. So um, let's have a look. And there were regulations that covered silencing for the bikes, mud guards, pedals. It, I mean, it really was. It wasn't an outright race. It was a trial for the bikes. Now, by 1911, the bikes had become powerful enough that now they could take on the mountain course, which is what the cars had been doing up to that point. Um, so let's have a look. And guess what? In 1911, take a guess of what motorcycle won first, second, and third. Harley Davidson. BSA. Oh, I wish it would have been. And you were closest, Liza. Indian. Ah. Indian took the first three spots. Um, it wasn't until uh, 1912 that British bikes and actually Scots, which were two-stroke bikes. But did they um, have any fringe? I'm sure they did. <laughs> well, it's an Indian. Of course it had bloody fringe. High horsepower. Come on. Exactly. Um, so the TT from 1914 to 1918, obviously, it was the First World War. Um, and it wasn't to be, they didn't have a 1919 uh, TT, so it was 1920. Um, let's have a look. Cyril Williams on an AJS. Mm. He pushed it over the finish line. It broken down five miles previously <laughs> and he pushed what? it over the line. How about that? Um, that's wow. dedication. It is. And I mean, that's the key. When you look at the history of the course itself and the people who ride it, it seems like every decade that it belongs to a certain rider. You know, in the 1920s, it was a guy called Stanley Woods. Um, he entered, his first race was in 1922, and he really dominated it. Um, as, an, as a side note, in the 1920s, the lap record was at about 55 miles an hour. Um, by the 1930s, they pushed it up to 90. So in the space of really 15 years, it's gone from 50 to 90 miles an hour. And that's just not just the bikes improving, it's the course improving as well. Um, Sidecars were introduced in 1923. Always a favorite. Love the sidecars. Um, and then the Second World War, from 1939 to 1945, obviously it was the Second World War, the TT returned in 1947. Um, incidentally, the lap times immediately after the Second World War were slower 
than before because the, the gasoline was of such poor quality. Gasoline was in very, very short supply in Britain in the really up until the early 1950s. And what was available was very, very poor quality. So everything suffered. Um, the 1950s, it was all about, you know, we talk about people, the decade almost belongs to them. It was really Jeff Duke and um, Bob McIntyre were the two racers. Jeff Duke, the Englishman, he was always on the Norton. And Bob McIntyre, the Scotsman, he was the first one to lap the mountain at 100 miles an hour. And that is in 1957. Um, unfortunately, Jeff Duke had got really achingly close. He'd got like to 99.9 miles an hour in 1956. So he was kind of pissed. Um, we go on to the 1960s and there's some heavy hitters in the 1960s. Um, John Surtees is worth a mention, and he's a very, very interesting character. He was a, a really gifted racer, and he was a motorcyclist and a car racer. Very, very interesting guy and hugely talented. Um, you could argue that we've all seen Ford versus Ferrari. What people don't realize about Ford versus Ferrari He'd walked out on the Ferrari team the day before the 1966 Le Mans race. Had he raced, it might have been a very different outcome. But in the early 60s, he was racing motorbikes and very, very successfully. And of course, my hero, Mike Halewood, made his debut in 1961. And he rode on Honda's pretty much exclusively through the 1960s. Now, the 1967 race really is considered the biggest nail-biting race in Isla Mantiti history. And he was riding a Honda. Giacomo Agostini was riding, I want to say he was riding a Galera. Let's have a look, see if I can... Uh, da, da, da. No, uh, Giacomo Agostini was on an MV. And that was considered one of the best races ever. And um, Emma, weren't you there? Weren't you a bar maiden? Yes, I was. I was, darling. And then um, let's talk about Mike Halewood. He retired after that race in 1967 from the Isle of Man. But he came back in 78 and won it on a Ducati. And that was really a turning point for Ducati and Mike Elwood. Um, and I was there. Cool. Brilliant race. Oh, yes. Still slinging um, those pints? Still slinging those pints. <laughs> we move on to the 80s. Anybody like to take a guess who the 80s belonged to? Um, Some uh, would say he was Barry the most Sheen. famous. Barry Sheen? No. Barry Sheen never, never liked did. the island. No, okay. Never liked the island. And this it's is the, the it's this the is guy the with point. the sons. It's the guy who's uh he passed the away. Tire guy. The, the tire broke. guy. Yeah. What's his name? Michelin? Goodyear. Joey Dunlop. Joey Dunlop. 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 Dunl
the greatest island racer of them all, entire 1980s. And this was a wonderful time for the TT because they were the, this was the era of the big two-strokes. And these were high-powered bikes. These are 150-horsepower two-stroke bikes. They're still learning about handling. They're still learning about braking. But you're turning in some amazing lap speeds. Um, in the 90s, now you're talking about Carl Fogarty. And he was an interesting character because he always did well on the island, but he also did well in normal road racing as well. You know, Foggy was a very, very successful racer, usually on a Ducati. And then, of course, we were talking about him last week, Trevor Nation on the Norton. Um, fantastic winning bike. And then um, let's have a look. At the, uh, ba, 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 ba. in 2000, Joey Dunlop, he recorded his 26th and final TT win. And he was 48 years old when he did it. And in the early 2000s, it was John McGuinness, another Irish road racer who did very mm -hmm. well. So, and that really brings us into modern times. But it's just, it's interesting when you talk about the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm that it really was born out of a 20 mile an hour speed limit in England. And it's become this, this phenomenon. If you've never been to the Isle of Man, it's like nothing else. And I, it's, I, I believe 2021 has already been canceled. 2021 has yeah. been canceled. And as disappointing as that is, if you've been you understand why they had to cancel it. I mean, the crowds are like nothing you've seen. The proximity of people is like nothing you've ever seen. It's it's a wild. It's it's where all European bikers go to let their hair down. Um, I would certainly. I would like to go in 2022. Um, I know Phil went in 2019. Mm -hmm. And he and, thought it was just the greatest thing. Yeah, and Arwen Rich is gone. Um, yeah, it, it is a pretty cool thing. So, hey, if you're going to make your ferry reservation, make it for 2022. Exactly. It's um, it's it's a unique spectacle in the world of motorcycling. So, um, 2022 will mark 117 years since motorcycles first raced on the Isle of Man. So and I, th I think we can apply the ATC 250 rule to the Isle of Man. Yes. Right? The I more dangerous it is, the cooler it is. Oh, God. What? Um, it's, what? It's getting, it's getting better, but there are always fatalities. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So, and that's what makes it unique. I mean, basically, it's a road course. And make no mistake, the roads are very, very well maintained. I mean, you're not going to be riding down a road and you're going to encounter a pothole that was made by the local garbage truck. Um, but it's a road course and it always has been. Back in the early days, it was very, very rudimentary. It went across fields. And it's a known fact that the first rider of the day had to open all the gates. And then the last rider of the day had to close all the gates behind them yeah. as they rode across the fields. Um, 
Emma, I wanted to thank you for that little little history. Well, it's just it, it was just a little one. It was just a little. It, it's just a little filler, and I kind of feel guilty that it was so short for such a monumental event. But as always, with a history hole, all I ever do is just give you a little taste. I give you a little taste, and then you can do your own research. Thank you. Um, I oh, think so I think we have just enough time to help another listener uh, with an email. With an email. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Um, this one is called Dirt Biking Safely. Hello again, Misfits oh, from Emma Ethan. Emma says fool. <laughs> you can't dirt bike safely. He says hello from Ethan in Portland, Oregon. Congratulations on 400 episodes. What a milestone. Um, I think we can all agree that this has been a shit year, but discovering you all has been a bright spot in a steaming pile. Well, thank you. Uh, he says, a month back, I bought myself my up-the-butt bike, an electric start KTM 300 EXC. Ooh, that's a nice bike. Oh, yeah, that's a good bike, isn't uh, it? Yeah, he says, inspired by you all, I immediately found my local suspension guru, and that would be Daryl with Suspension by Design in Newburgh, Oregon. And got it set up for the steep woods riding here in the Pacific Northwest. I'd never gotten suspension set up, and all I can say is about time. So, hey, I'm glad you took our advice on that one. Uh, for Christmas, uh, his incredible life and riding companion, Haley, gave him a blank check to buy safety gear for his remote rides up in the Cascades. He says, now I'm looking for a little help on what to get. You have covered this topic many times before, but I wonder if you can give 2021 an update version. Specifically, I'm looking into either a simple emergency beacon like the ACR Rescue Me or the more feature-rich Garmin InReach. He wants to know what Jim thinks of it and um, and a Life, Life Flight subscription. Uh, he says, and an iPhone app such as Gaia GPS. I know Mike loves it. And uh, he says, I always bring a basic first aid kit, a signal mirror, fire starter, rain gear, and paper maps as well. Anything else you would recommend for a backcountry dirt rider? Uh, also, P.S. Late welcome to Oregon Bagel. Hope we can ride our back roads together someday. Thanks. Oh, thank you very much. Spare um, tubes. Spare tubes. <laughs> yeah. Spare tubes. Good one. Um, these are great. So I'm a big fan of Life Flight right off because even if we're uh i mean just here in my in my city santa cruz we don't have um a hospital you have to get flighted out but even going to do a track day racetrack or going dirt biking hollister hills it's worth it having it for what the cost is i'm glad to contribute to that fund and um jim who jim just dropped off he has the garmin inreach bagel what do you use well i was just gonna um uh, to touch the, uh, that point you made, uh, I believe the name of the organization now is the Air Medcare Network. Yes. And uh, you can sign up at airmedcarenetwork.com. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth it, especially if you're going out into remote places. Uh, you're going to want to have that helicopter uh, coverage for that. <clears throat> um, I, I have not actually used any sort of uh, personal like rescue devices before. Um, but one thing I would definitely recommend is in addition to the air med care, signing up for a tow service like the AMA's moto, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or if you have one of the uh, AAA packages that covers motorcycles, that, that works too. Um, because you never know when you're going to need it. And if you get a flat somewhere or you know, something fails on your bike and you need to uh, tow to a shop, it's 
wonderful to have service available. Now, see, Jim and I don't use that because when I have a breakdown, I call Jim. And when he has one, he calls me. We're toe buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've, we've, we've used them too. Um, you know, one thing I like, um, uh, Jim has that in reach and he sends me, um, messages when he's okay. Just saying, I'm okay. Here's my location. And, uh, I'm, I'm his in reach buddy. Just in case something happens, I have mapped his last known location. Cause he likes to move around and camp different places. Also, it's just nice to know that, um, he knows that I'm thinking about him and think I haven't heard from him or a day or two. Maybe I should call or, you know, somebody to go look for him. So instead he just sends me like a daily, I'm good. Normally he just sends them to me from his bathroom when he's pooping and says, I'm pooping. I'm okay. And it shows me on the map where he's pooping in his house. But, uh, but in general, it's good. That's not what it's for. (laughs) No, but that's what he uses for. Um, and just a reminder, the Quinn Design Helmets. I've got an order for the new Adventure Helmet myself. Um, they're doing a limited run of 200, and so I got my name on that list. I'm looking forward to that. Um, if you guys remember, it uh, attaches, it, it, it tethers to your phone, and that if anything happens to you, it will quickly send a message through your phone. Now, that doesn't work if you are completely out of range, Um so it, you have to be within range for it to do it. But the other thing I like is that you can set up your destination and it can track you. And if you don't make it to your destination in the time allotted, it can send out a message to someone. So there's a lot of things that you can program it to do, which is pretty cool. Um, Mike, what are you using for GPS? Mike Miranda. Um, I use the Gaia. I mean, yeah. I have, I'm pretty reliant on the phone. Uh, ever since I went up to the KTM Adventure ride and I got the Garmin, um, you know, because that's what they recommended. And and uh, and even when you go up there, they had a whole like Garmin intro too. And I had tried to use it a bunch around here and it, I just found it really difficult. Um, it seems really cool and maybe it's good for hiking, but it, it's not very intuitive. Like it definitely did not. It's not like if you go on, like you, anybody pop on their phone and go on Google Maps right now and like it just makes sense. You just, here's where I'm searching. Right. Or you can click in and click and drop a pin and, and it'll route to it. Everything's like real simple. But Garmin, and, and, and not only that, is it um, when you're riding with the gloves or whatever, it's got these push buttons on it, which are pretty good. But like this sub, it's just really fucking confusing when you're riding. Sometimes your screens are pretty small. So I personally, you know, I got the thing and, and it didn't work so well. And one of the guys I was talking to while I was there uh, had mentioned, you know, he uses his phone for everything. And I blew my mind because I'm like, well, I haven't had service anywhere around here. And he's mm-hmm. telling me about his cell phone. And I'm like, what, what fucking provider do you have? You know what I mean? We're in the middle of your, uh, you know, Yellowstone or Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, when me and um, Jim went up to uh, Bear Valley or whatever, mm-hmm. Alpine Lake, uh, it was fantastic. He had told me a couple of different things he was rattling off and I heard Gaia and then I was like, oh, that, I think that's the guy the guy was telling me about. I hopped on that one and it is, it's not quite like Google GP, uh, Google Maps, but it's pretty freaking close and it's very intuitive and it could be on your phone. Um, and the two things about that, that is that usually I have Bluetooth, so I can, if I have my phone on, I can like listen to the music while we're ripping through the woods, but I also have my, my GPS set up there. Um, and the cool thing about it is that you know where you're going to go beforehand, right? Say you say you're going to go 
wherever, you can go and download a hundred square foot map. Just you just literally with your finger on it, it'll save it on your phone, like where it does photos. And then when you get there, you could just turn it on airplane mode and it you have all the functions of like a Google Maps without having to have any internet service whatsoever at all. So then it uses very low battery. So I, I just personally for myself, like I'm not super techie, but I, it just made a lot more sense to me. And then the really cool thing about it is you could do so many things so easily with it. Like you, if you're going to go somewhere, and this is what I did with Jim, was um, we'd started our campground. We didn't really know where we were going. We kind of had an idea. We're looking on a paper map. I just hit start. And then it would just start to track me and leave waypoints mm -hmm. for me, right? And then if I got lost or he got hurt or I need to get back or got dark, I could just like flip it around and then hit start and it would route me back on the exact same map that I took. That's then cool. you could save the map as a name. Um, it's just, it's, there's so many things you could do. You could build the map real easy with your finger. You just drop a point here and a line goes to it, drop a point here and a line goes to it. And, and, and all that stuff on Garmin, I couldn't understand why it wasn't like that when this Garmin had been around for so long. Yeah, so. I, I hear you. And for people who want to look it up, it's G-A-I-A, -A, Gaia. Um, I remember yeah. that when Jim and I were up in the same, uh, up near Yosemite, he bought like a one of the Garmins, I think. And when you're out there on back roads that aren't real roads that aren't on like Google Maps, you have to get somebody who already has the tracks and you download it so exactly. that you can follow it. And so we downloaded it. But what happened was it had on this little screen, it had the track that you had downloaded but it also had the the straight path as the crow flies. It as was, the crow flies. Right. Yeah. And then it also had another color. These are all different color lines. A third color line, which was where you had gone. And so sometimes, so you're riding over where you're at, but if you missed a turn now, you're, it's confusing because you've got these three different lines and you're like, it's it, it was very confusing. I, I hear you. I'm going to add one more thing that maybe people don't think of as a safety uh, device, but I do because I've been in need of it. And that's a camelback, right? I don't know if you guys do any long distance riding or dirt biking, adventure riding. There are times you do not want to be stuck out without any water and a camelback is a real necessity. So that's one that I'm going to add that's about as low tech as you can get. I just wonder, anyone else here have anything they want to add to it? Anything? I'm going to go even more low tech and oh, say no. bring a pair of rubber gloves. Oh. These are really small to conceal, and you could always throw them underneath your gloves, and they're like windbreakers. Oh, yeah. Keep your hands warm. Uh, and the other thing is, if it's raining, you can keep your gloves on, but your hands will get wet and funky. So uh, I always, in like all my things, I just have a pair of random kind of uh, you know, rubber gloves. All right. Anyone else want to add to it? Any things they've found? I just wanted to add the thing on what you said, Liza, mm -hmm. with the camelback. Yeah. Is if it's really hot out, you know, 100 plus or something. It's much better to have little bits of water continuously than stopping every hour and just guzzling 12, 16 ounces. So that's that's much healthier for you and uh, will keep you more ener energized. And you won't have to pee as much because you're getting it a little bit at a time. Yeah. And another there thing too is if you're uh, if it's if it's it's if it's hot out and you have a camelback, pack it full of ice first, and mm -hmm. then fill the rest with water. It'll stay cool, stay colder a lot longer. But I'm going to say, um, Ethan, that you have the best thing already that you can have, and I bet you everyone here will agree. You have a a partner who gave you permission to write a blank check to buy anything you need. <laughs> that, that is, I was going to say, <laughs> that is the best. 
That trumps everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think, um, I hope we answered that enough for you. There's a lot of cool stuff. I think, as Mike said, I think that Gaia app you're going to find is a lot easier to use. And there's, I end up using my phone on everything. Um, I need to get that Gaia app, though, because I know I've lost reception. And then I'm like, ah, fuck, where am I? I know. Um, but, hey, again, I wanted to thank all you guys for joining us. And, uh, you know, oh, it's been so great. Yeah, I, well, I hope. Thanks for having us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I hope you, yeah, you thank had you. fun. Thank you. Appreciate yes, it. Thank you. Yeah, I hope. I, I hope you weren't expecting some like, like, some big racer to show up. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Just us. Oh, this was great. Um, but I appreciate it. I want to do this more often. I love hearing from all of you because you know, even awesome. though we don't know all of you, but I I know that all of you are misfits. I I feel that connection with everyone. Just from the emails we get, the stories that we hear, I think you guys feel, I think that's something that we've really tapped into, that there's a whole bunch of misfits out there and that we all have that we, same thing in common. Liza, darling, we know them all. <laughs> we know every single one of them because they <laughs> suffer from the same disease that we <laughs> yes, do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I wonder if they're all motosexuals. Oh, God, yes. Of course they are. Come along. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly. Well, so thank you guys very much. And and big thanks to all the rest of our Patreon um, supporters, too. I appreciate it so much. It it helps us keep this going, um, to buy more equipment, buy more tools, keeping everything running. Hopefully the garage, um, the garage has been closed because of the mandate. Right now, the it's going through to the 8th so that's what friday so we'll see if they extend it or not so emma we may or may not be able to open next sunday are you up for coming coming up you know i am you know i am i've i've got to be honest with you i have really missed the garage i really have i've i've had a tough few days over the holiday period um you know, the, I don't know why the, the, the isolation really got to me, but I miss the garage mm-hmm. so much. It's been such a huge part of my life now for how many years, Liza? Uh, 122. It feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it. Since the, since the dawn of time. Um, but, well, it's probably um, very therapeutic, isn't it, Emma? It is. You know, and it it's it it's funny. I mean, Knock always says, you know, you you fix bikes all day. The last thing you'd want to do is come and fix bikes for free on Sunday. But the truth is, there's nowhere I'd rather be. And uh, Sunday, Bryce, you had your hand up. Was there something else you wanted to add to that? Hey, yeah, I just wanted to throw out uh, two possible future um, episodes. Like, if you do an episode on racing, mm-hmm. there's. Yes. Um, a pretty, pretty young and up and coming and pretty aggressive and successful American racer, Rocco Landers. Oh, yeah. So um, Melissa Paris was talking about Rocco Landers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've met him in person. He's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And uh, he's, he's very aggressive. He's a really crazy rider in a good way. You know, really, really uh, aggressive, strong and, and uh, a good head on his shoulders. Uh, so that might be interesting. And if you do an episode on, I thought about like volunteerism and people who use motorcycle volunteerism. There's an organization. I'm not affiliated with with either of these two uh, uh, organizations, but it's a really good one. Um, it's Peru Volunteers, 
the leader is in, his name is Paul Opp, P-A-U-L-O-P-P. Mm-hmm. And uh, the group is, uh, what they do is they take about eight or 10 riders down to Peru and they provide the bike and you just pay, you know, it's like uh, two or $3,000. But all the funding goes to pay for the tuition for a student in Peru for the, each, each rider p- pretty much pays the tuition. Their, their fee pays tuition for the whole school year. And, uh, you know, they take you 10 or 10 or 12 days in the, um, along the roads in the Andes and in the mountains of Peru, uh, wow. you know, all covered. It's like 12 day tour. So it's pretty awesome, you know, cause you can do that kind of a thing and it's usually more expensive and it's, but it's usually like for a, for profit. Yeah. In this case, it's for a charity and, uh, it's a small, you know, it's a small organization. So it's very intimate. He keeps it, maxes it out at like eight or 10 riders. And they, they provide the bike and the hotel and food and everything, fuel and a support vehicle. So it's so that's something I want to do this year. I, I actually had registered for it, but, you know, COVID came along, of course. Yeah. So hopefully mm-hmm. in July 2021 uh, will be the next time he's he's hoping to, to do the ride. Oh, thanks so, for that tip. Yeah, yeah. But he said there was two organizations. You only said one. What was the other one? Oh, I meant the Rocco Landers. Like yeah, I'm Rocco not Landers. affiliated with that right. one. I'm not affiliated with the crew volunteer. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I thought those are two. If you do like a, a episode on racing and an episode on, on motorcycle volunteer opportunities, I thought that'd be pretty cool. Well, thank you very mm-hmm. much. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and just like you guys said, we, we don't all look like what we sound. If you out there want to know what we do look like, you can go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com and if you <laughs> click on about us. I've created some nice galleries there for the garage and for the podcast Don't and all sorts. Don't say we didn't uh, warn you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, a lot of the misfits over time. Um, yeah, so motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Um, or YouTube. Or YouTube, yeah, you'll find uh, our YouTube channel exactly. We got to make another. We got to make another film, Mike. I know. Yeah, I'm down. You just gave give me the date. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so normally. When we go out, we all say our names. There's way too many people here. That's going to be a shit storm. But I thought what we could do. You guys, do you know what we say at the very end? Do you know what our, our outro is? Cool. Cool, cool, right? So you guys can all unmute. Um, we're going to do our outro, and I just want everyone to join in on the cool, cool. How about that? So, again, big thanks to everyone, especially you guys for joining us, all of our subscribers. Um, don't forget to 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 like and and if you don't mind sharing this with somebody if you really like what you're listening to help us get the word out there and and more people will learn about our our podcast and about our our youtube channel i really appreciate that so on that note i think we're ready to get out of here thanks everyone let's get out of here cool 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 cool, cool.